Hello, I'm Eric Sorensen, and this is the West Block Politics, Perspectives and Players. Crisis averted, at least for now. The UK was set to leave the European Union this weekend, but Prime Minister Theresa May managed to delay Brexit until the end of October. Will this new deadline help the UK to get a deal to leave? And will May still be the Prime Minister to see it through? Joining us now from Cambridge, England, is Kenneth Armstrong, Professor of European Law at the University of Cambridge. So, Kenneth, uh, we're a little more informal with this conversation. So an old BBC friend lamented to me this morning the further loss of British prestige because he said, until yesterday, Brexit was the biggest known black hole in the universe where all surrounding life force is lost and from which no light, only heat ever escapes. Uh, irreverent but sincere, how are you struck by a new, more distant deadline of October 31st? In one sense, there is still a more immediate deadline, and that is the, the deadline of the European Parliament elections, which take place in May. And I think, as Prime Minister May said in her statement to the House of Commons today, if there can be uh, an agreement amongst the parties, amongst MPs as to what to do, then the UK could, in fact, withdraw before that deadline of, of the, the May uh, European Parliament elections. But you're absolutely right, if that doesn't happen and things drag on a little bit further, then we're into Halloween trick-or-treat time for uh, for Brexit. Is there a deal to be achieved now with six more months that could not be worked up over the last three years? The thing that has, I guess, changed in the last um, month has been this kind of opening of cross-party alliances. Uh, amongst backbenchers, and then also more formally cross-party talks between the, the, the government and the opposition. That said, it's not actually all that obvious that the opposition party has much interest in, if you like, backing May's Brexit deal, and it would want to worry about being seen to be tarnished by a, a deal that, 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 that some people would think would be a bad deal. On the other hand, they also don't want other things to happen. They don't want to have to contest European Parliament elections, and they certainly don't want to contest a general election. So I think those sorts of pressure points are maybe pushing the opposition to agree at least something relatively minimal in terms of perhaps a customs union as a kind of basic level of agreement. What is the biggest stumbling block, the Irish border, a customs union? Or are there so many minority positions that there are no majority positions to be found? I think up until now, one of the major stumbling blocks has been, as you say, the, the, the situation of a, of a border on the island of Ireland. And that issue is, is contained in what is called the backstop, which is in, in the, the formal legal withdrawal agreement. It seems to me the conversation has moved on from that. I think the, the Prime Minister realises that there'll be some people in, in her party and also within the Dem Democratic Unionist Party that is never going to be happy with that. Therefore, what is more important is to try and work out what any kind of future relationship with the European Union will look like and use that as a way to try and bring on side more of the opposition party MPs. And that's where the point of potential consensus might be, but it's still very difficult. And these negotiations across party basis may still not go anywhere. Why is Theresa May so adamant about delivering what the people voted for since so much has changed in people's understanding and expectations for Brexit? I think for a number of reasons, and not least of which is that both the main political parties in the early general election that she forced in 2017, both campaigned to deliver on the referendum result, to, to deliver Brexit. 
MPs have voted to trigger the process by which the UK withdraws. They've enacted a, a legislation, the European Withdrawal Act, to make all this happen. So I think from her point of view, she feels that her overriding obligation is then to deliver Brexit. Is that her obligation because she feels that in a political sense for her own political future, or is there some bigger view of what should be achieved? I think there's a kind of sense of her own inner morality, but there's a kind of wider political morality to this. Uh, as a colleague um, said to me the other day, well, we can't we can't just kind of wish away the referendum. The referendum did happen, and it has to have some political significance and meaning. Otherwise, what was the point? And therefore, I think. With, if that's true, then I think Theresa May feels that what she is really doing is, is giving effect to that referendum because not to do so would be to make a, a kind of political irrelevance. 52% voted for Brexit originally. Would it still be 52% today? It's hard to tell. I think the, the demographics would have said that if you'd kept everything constant and run the referendum now, then the remaining in the EU vote would have, would have uh, succeeded because there would have been more younger people eligible to vote who were more likely to be remain-minded. Uh, uh, Beyond that, and just trying to work out whether people have actually changed their positions or not, I'm not so sure. I think, I think actually at both ends of the spectrum, the positions are hardening and the, the, the Leave voters really are very keen even to leave on a no-deal basis uh, without any form of agreement with the European Union. On the other hand, movements towards a, a, another referendum, which could only really be for the purposes of trying to uh, keep the UK in the EU, is very strong with an online petition getting over 6 million votes. So both extremes have, I think, hardened their positions. The more difficult question is to work out who's switching votes anywhere in the middle. So does the six-month extension raise the prospects for an election or, or another referendum? One thing that Labour, the Labour opposition were pushing somewhat for at a certain point is to have a, a, another referendum, what they call a confirmatory referendum. That is to say that in essence, MPs would sign off the deal that Mrs May has agreed, but they would then put her deal to the people with the option of remaining in the EU on the ballot paper. Now, Labour, Labour were strongly pivoting towards that at a certain point. Uh, whether they still want to hold on to that at this point is, is less clear. Certainly key members of the, the backbenchers in, in the Commons clearly do want to have the so-called confirmatory referendum. And then there's the group that left the Labour Party uh, sitting as an independent group that are clearly very strongly in favour of having uh, another referendum. So it's there, but I think maybe the political leaders just still do not want to have any form of election, whether it's a European Parliament election, whether it's a general election, or whether it's a referendum. They as parliamentarians just want to get some deal done and be seen to deliver Brexit. Will Theresa May survive through this? I mean, there have been questions about her leadership up to now. The long extension seemed as if it was potentially problematic for her because, as you may know, she had assured her own MPs that she would go and she would go sooner rather than later. That was at the point where we had this kind of May 22nd extension rather than the longer extension. So I think people generally thought that by, by May, by the end of May, it would be the end of May. Um, but I think now with the longer extension, that's complicated matters a little bit. Nonetheless, if 
she does do what she says she wants to do, which is to get a deal in place that will avoid European Parliament elections, then I think she perhaps will be gone uh, in, in, in a matter of weeks. So three years into this, is there a lesson to be learned going forward for the next six months to perhaps achieve a different outcome? We are where we are with this. I mean, I think there are there are enormous lessons to be learned from from the Brexit process, not just for the UK, but also for, for other member states. We learn it's a very hard process to do. The Although there's a very legal process laid down uh, as a matter of EU law, it doesn't quite capture how much under stress the national political and constitutional order comes comes under. And it has been strained to extreme in the Brexit process. So, but we are where we are. I think the wider lesson that you learn from Brexit is if you want to embark on a referendum that's going to have major constitutional significance, you have to be prepared for all eventualities and all outcomes. And the UK simply was not prepared for the outcome that it got in June 2016. It still sounds like a black hole. There is uh, a lot that is disappearing in, in, into space in some way, shape or form. Uh, I'm not sure whether we will, whether any light will be emitted at the end of this process or not. That's all the time we have for today. Kenneth Armstrong, thank you for joining us. Thank you. For the West Block, I'm Eric Sorensen.